This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 216-inch. On this episode, we conclude our interview with Weird Al Yankovic story first assistant director, Emily Newman. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Well, hello, Dave. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 216 inch. Dave? Dave, you there? Is it on? Okay. A one, two, one, two, five, six. Dave, what are you doing? Oh, I just got. A new-to-me Teak Tascam Series 144 4-track cassette recorder, and I thought I'd try it out by recording this week's episode on it. Ah, yes, the latest and greatest in 1970s podcast recording equipment. I believe that they call it vintage. And my understanding is that this thing was used as recently as the Bad Hair Day album. Oh, so you're saying it's only been obsolete for 27 years. Oh, that's much better, Dave. Well, you know, it is an upgrade over the tin can and crummy piece of string that our intern Frank set up for us. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the four-track Porta Studio famously owned by Weird Al that Bill Moomy mentioned in his episode on our podcast? Yes, the very same one. It's got lots of buttons and gauges and levers and knobs. Dave, do you even know how to use that thing? Well, some of the buttons are red, some are yellow, some are white, and some of them are green. I'll take that as a no. Well, Dave, good luck with it. Just please make sure you fill out the warranty card before you break anything. All right, let's move on to what's happening in Weird Al-related news. Past guest and friend of the podcast, Kevin McKee, shared with us that Weird Al will be making an appearance on the upcoming Dick Van Dyke 98 Years of Magic special. Weird Al will be singing the original Dick Van Dyke theme song lyrics as written by Dick's co-star, Maury Amsterdam. The special airs tomorrow, December 21st at 9pm Burrito Burrito Time on CBS. And from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, happy 98th birthday to Dick Van Dyke. Collector alert, collector alert. While checking out the official Weird Al web store, our very own Ethan Allman noticed that the accordion t-shirt and the Weird Al t-shirt were being advertised as only having artwork on the front. Now, while both of these shirts were offered for sale on the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour, they were sold with artwork on the back of the t-shirt, so I reached out to customer service for clarification. And once customer service confirmed that the shirts indeed only had artwork on the front, Ethan immediately ordered 1,000 of each for his collection. Now, based on our records, this is the second variation of the Weird Al t-shirt, also known as the run-on shirt and at least the sixth variation of the accordion shirt. Wow, that's almost as many variations as there are Beat on the Brat singles. You can still pick up both t-shirts as well as other cool items at 25% off for a limited time only over at shop.weirdal.com. Attention Grammy voters! Grammy voting is here, and we hope you will vote for our favorite compilation soundtrack for visual media. That's right! 
the soundtrack to Weird, the Al Yankovic story, is up for voting in the category of Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media. This is Weird Al's 17th Grammy nomination, and if he wins, it will be his 6th Grammy Award. So get to voting! And we also hope you'll consider tossing a vote to my pal William Shatner's way in the category of Best Audiobook, Narration, and Storytelling Recording for his book, Boldly Go! Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder. Because, well... He's William freaking Shatner! Yeah, and we just wanted to pat his resume a bit. I mean, he's won just about every other award you can imagine, including a Golden Globe Award, multiple Emmy Awards, and perhaps his greatest award of all, being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And speaking of Emmy Awards, Muppets Mayhem took home the Emmy Award for Outstanding Children's or Family Viewing Series at the second annual Children's and Family Emmy Awards. Weird Al, of course, plays himself in the series in the episode Break On Through as part of Floyd's marshmallow-induced psychedelic trip. But that's not all the awards that Muppet Mayhem won. The trailer for the series, which also features Weird Al, recently won a Clio Award. And despite everything, Disney chose not to renew the series for a second season, so boo on you, Disney. While it's clear to us that Weird Al's involvement was the driving force that secured the wins, all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast would still like to offer a sincere congratulations to everyone involved with Muppets Mayhem. It's been a very busy week on social media for Weird Al videos as Weird Al, Eric Appel, and John Bermuda Schwartz all helped unearth some pretty stinking majestic, rare, and hard-to-find Weird Al content. The first one we'll talk about is a video Eric shot of Weird Al recording scratch vocals for your All a Bunch of Slaves, the Jim Morrison parody scene in Weird the Al Yankovic Story. Al performed the lines to the music for timing reasons, but ultimately, Daniel Radcliffe recorded the lines in the film. That may be the only song in the film where Daniel replaced Al's voice. It was very cool to get to see and hear this behind-the-scenes clip. Those of you who follow John Bermuda Schwartz on social media may have seen him post about how he is working on digitizing his VHS tape collection. Well, we finally got to see some really nice examples from all of his hard work. Weird Al uploaded on his YouTube and social media the live news broadcast of his LASIK eye surgery from January 23rd, 1998. This is probably the best quality recording that we have ever seen, and probably will ever see, so even if you've seen it before, definitely go check out this hilarious piece of Weird Al history. And speaking of Weird Al history, also from Bermuda's archive, Weird Al posted a clip of his very first public appearance after getting that LASIK eye surgery. In the clip from the 1998 American Music Awards, Weird Al joins Drew Carey, Those Darn Accordions, and Dick Contino in an all-star accordion medley. Really? Weird Al was in that video? I didn't recognize him without his uvula. No, I'm pretty sure he still had his uvula. For now, maybe. In the past few weeks, Weird Al has appeared on a number of radio shows, podcasts, and news outlets to promote the North American physical release of Weird the Al Yankovic story. And one in particular that caught our eye was an interview with Linsanity.com. In the interview, Weird Al references something he saw online where his songs were ranked by how many people died in the song when he was asked about what his least child-friendly song was. 
The answer, Al continues, is one of those days, because the world blows up and everybody is dead by the end of the song, which means essentially 7 billion people die in that song. Interestingly, a few years ago, our very own Ethan Allman wrote an article for the now-defunct LaughSpin.com, which ranked Weird Al's darkest songs based on how many people died in them, with one of those days as number one. Not only did they pay me 75 bucks, the president of their parent company personally complimented the article, and now it's being tangentially partially remembered in a transcript of a Weird Al interview on some website. Boy, I've really made it, huh, Dave? That will clearly go down as your lame claim to fame. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla, Burrito Burrito, and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, and Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit BurritoSquare.com and WizardBurger.com to order ahead. And last but probably not least, it's time for What's Happening in Ruben Valtiera Related News. Coming up on Tuesday, December 26th, our favorite keyboard player, the Rube Emperor himself, Ruben Valtiera, is celebrating his birthday. Ruben's only been in the band and performing with Weird Al since 1991, so he's still technically the new guy, but we won't hold that against him. From all of us here at David Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, happy 69th birthday, Ruben Valtiera. Nice. On our previous episode, we kicked off our interview with the amazing Emily Newman, who is better known simply as Newman. Newman was, of course, the first assistant director on We're the Al Yankovic Story, and we're excited for you to hear the rest. So let's pick up where we left off last episode, already in progress right as we were about to talk about the scene Ethan and I filmed together. I'm curious what you remember from the day that we were on set. Obviously, Dave and I you know, have a, a very deep memory of all the things we did, but I'm sure there was a lot of other stuff going on you know, in your world. I know like at one point someone broke their wrist and had to leave and like mm-hmm. a, a beer keg exploded and <laughs> there's like all sorts of stuff you, you probably were dealing with. But what, what do you remember from that day? I remember, I remember meeting you guys. I remember we had the best group of extras that day because like we were in, wasn't the Viper Room. I'm trying to think what the actual location oh, was actually. It, it just escaped my brain as soon as you <laughs> started oh, saying Oh, it's the Virgil. The Virgil, yes. The Virgil, yes. The Virgil. Um, so that was one of those days where it was like, okay, this is going to be, this is a big day. We had like six and a half pages to do two performances. We meet Demento, there's backstage stuff. So like we, for me and Eric, it was like, we're going to block shoot this. I think we block shot it so that like we started backstage, did all that and then came out to the stage and like you shoot towards the stage first and shoot all that out and then turn around and turn and then get the audience um, but we had a crane that day, like a camera crane. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. And that took some time to build. So they were building that while we were shooting in the backstage area. And then the crane just added like such a cinematic look to it. And then we had to throw breakaway glass behind Rain Wilson's head. So that was fun. And then we had outside 
shots. Like we were starting to run out of time because it was a lot to get in a little time. And I knew that. And we had a hard out, I think, too, where like you have to be done at a certain time. And so there hit a point in the night where it was like, we're running out of time. I'm worried about getting outside. So JB, our UPM, Jason Brown, who's an incredible first AD also, was like, the stunt, our stunt guy had orchestrated like a whole scene of like these guys scuffling and fighting outside. So JB took the second camera outside with Jake, our stunt coordinator, and was like, I'm going to go shoot that while you guys finish um, the performance stuff inside. So we kind of divided and conquered. Um, and Eric was like, great, I'll set it up. I'll look at it on the monitor. Cause we had both camera feeds. Like when you sit at village, you have two monitors for both cameras. Hmm. Okay. So he could, while we were shooting inside, he could watch what they were doing outside. Wow. That's incredible. So we ended up <laughs> splitting. Yeah. yeah like dividing and conquering, basically. Um, and then someone had fallen at base camp. One of the extras had tripped and fallen at base camp and hurt their arm, which I heard about peripherally, but they were okay. I, they went somewhere to get seen and taken care of, but it was like, it wasn't on set. So that was kind of like, Julie, you can take care of that. Let me know they're okay. Great. Thank you. We're going to keep rolling here. Yeah. Um, it was Dan's first performance. It was the band's first time together. They had rehearsed a couple times, but cause that was on like day three. Right. Like it was, Yelly. and it was, it was a long day. Um, and we had to be out by a certain time cause I think they had a show that night and we had to be out of there. So it was a, it was a big day, (laughs) a lot of extras. And then we had Patton that day too. And with Patton, he had such a small window of time. Like we had been shooting towards the stage. We shot out skunk barf and then, or scarf bunk as I always called them. And then (laughs) Patton, (laughs) I don't know why I could never say skunk barf. I was always like scarf bunk. And then Patton only had like an hour to be with us. (laughs) And he was on a scoot because he had his leg was still in a cast. And so at that point, we had to turn around and just shoot him out and then turn back around. So, like, swing towards the audience, get all of his things where he's like, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And then <laughs> let him go and then finish the performance stuff. <laughs> so it was a big day. But I love having background. I love it when there's a crowd. Like, because it's what makes the atmosphere and, like, the scene come alive, you know? And having Dot Jones behind the bar was amazing. And, like, there was a couple cameos that day. And it's just when you feel that energy and, like, you're making a scene, especially because I do a lot of music-based stuff coming up in Nashville, a lot of performance stuff. We do a lot of performances on the show Nashville. And, like, I don't know, it just feels really alive and, like, electric. And it's really cool to be in that atmosphere and, like, see it all come to life. And it with the crane, too, with the camera, like, the guys just looked so epic up on stage. It was awesome. It was so cool from our perspective getting to see not only, you know, the guys performing and, and Daniel up, up close, but just the, you know, the orchestration of, of everyone working was just, it was such a mm-hmm. cool experience to witness. Yeah. Had you guys been on a set before? Yeah, I had not been on a set before. That was the first time I've been involved anything like this at all. So it was all oh, new to a, me and it was such amazing. such a good one for was, your first. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, it was, it was great. <laughs> I did a little bit of That's... extra work when I was in college for an Ang Lee film taking Woodstock. So it was just sort oh, of yeah. like just way back in the crowd kind of stuff. So this was, this was really cool. I really got to see what was going on for this experience. It almost felt like the first time for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That was a fun day. That was a good day for you guys to be there. 
and our placement, you know, you cannot not see us in the film. So that is pretty stinking cool. <laughs> oh, no, you're front and center. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> but we're not the only ones on this call who have a cameo in the film, Newman. You show up during the Grammy scene. Was that planned or was that a surprise for you? I did show up. Um, no, I didn't. Eric had made a joke out of it like when we were scouting because we brought those tvs in like those were a prop they weren't in the in the theater so we brought those in and built them and then he's like maybe you and i'll sit here and do that and i was like okay because i had done live t like live to tape shows on award shows before and so i was like you know in the truck like if you're directing the show like you're talking to the camera guys and you know you're like all right camera two get ready take camera two camera three come wider stand by go camera three so like i kind of talked eric through that and he was like we should be sitting here during it and i was like yeah <laughs> i didn't think it would happen but i dressed in black anyway <laughs> so i was like this is my shot <laughs> and then i also was like well if i'm sitting next to eric they probably won't cut me out <laughs> right <laughs> and then zach our producer are you um is standing against the wall on that scene too so it's like all three of us um that's so cool it's mostly the back of my head blink and you'll miss it but it was really fun (laughs) well i recognized you (laughs) did you (laughs) my parents were like you're not in that movie (laughs) in the context of there's eric i mean it it made sense because when we're on set it was you and eric so it 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 made sense when when i saw the film that's awesome yeah that was really fun (laughs) Because a lot of people, like, there's some hidden cameos, right? So, like, with uh, when Dan Azal is on his acid trip, like, when Demento's in the bathtub and gives him the guacamole and he, like, trips. So the demon hands that come up, there's two sets of hands. One set is JB, or UPM, Jason Brown. And then the other set um, was Max, one of the producers. Oh, cool. So... And that, like, oh, wow. they, we painted their hands and, like, put nails on them and stuff. And then the hands that come out of the grave at the end, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, <laughs> that's Zach's hands, our, our producer Zach. He was like, I want to be the hands. So we, like, painted his hands. I have some great pictures of him, like, in the hole under the dirt, like, sticking his hands up out. Um, <laughs> oh, we would love to see those if you can share them with us. I'll send you some pictures. I've got some really good behind-the-scenes pictures. That is so great. And then in the Grammys, like, the Grammys, Al's wife is there with him. Right. Um, and then some of the, like, Zach's assistant, Al, or Dan's assistant, Alice, is dressed as Cindy Lauper, And, like, there's a couple crew members in there, too. So, like, there's some good, some good crew pop-ups in there i love that that's that's so great that you guys <laughs> yeah. were able to incorporate i do people. too <laughs> it's fun yeah <laughs> i love when movies do that they have like little easter eggs for people who mm-hmm. worked on it or for you know the really <laughs> big fans or something just that you know to do things like that i love i love when movies do that i do too for sure yeah have you had cameos in any of the other things you've worked on uh i have I think I was on an episode of Nashville handing a microphone to somebody <laughs> at the at, at the Ryman actually. Oh cool. Um, Ooh. Yeah. And then yeah, I'm usually walking by or something. It, it tends to happen. I don't know. It yeah, I've been in a couple things. Not ever doing anything like walking by or like sitting behind someone like nothing. Right. Just just like we need someone quick. <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> Go sit over here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then my mom, I like to put my mom in stuff too because she's so awkward and hates it. So I try to make her do it all the time. It's really fun. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> like I put her in a hospital gown and a walker for something on Still the King and like, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I love that. Because <laughs> why not? When we were talking to Eric recently, he made a couple comparisons of, you know, Weird the Yankovic story to Marvel movies. And now, if we go into your IMDb, we can find out that you worked on the 32nd highest grossing film worldwide of all time, <laughs> Captain Marvel. So I, I'm a huge Marvel fan, so I would love to hear about your experience on that film. But also, you know, how did it compare to working on Weird, which was you know a low-budget 18-day shoot? I would love to hear some of the contrasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I did work on Captain Marvel. It was, so I did, I didn't do the whole show. I did additional photography, which I think was maybe four weeks. So still longer than we shot out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and probably a million times more money. But um, yeah, it was, it was interesting working on Marvel. I ran base camp for that. So I was the second second. Um, so I was in charge of like all the trailers where hair and makeup are. And like we had, oh, if you're a fan, you're going to kill me because I'm going to say this wrong. Is it the ski, the scree or the cree? Yeah, the cree. Yeah. So, like, it took, like, two hours to get people into that makeup. And then all the stunt guys and then all the doubles. And, like, we only shot 10-hour days, but we had rolling lunches. But it would take everyone two hours to get in makeup in the morning and then, like, an hour and a half to get out of makeup. So I was still doing, like, 14-hour days. Um, and the thing about Marvel was... Because we were doing reshoots, it was a lot of, like, the security is super tight. Nobody got, like, you had to be super careful with all the paperwork and the sides. And, like, a lot of people didn't have sides or didn't have call sheets. And I was like, I need a call sheet to know what I'm getting people ready for. Like, you can't <laughs> keep me in the dark. <laughs> that's that's done to prevent, like, leaks about who's in the film or yeah. plot points. Wow. Yeah. And they're super, I mean, it's, and I get it. I mean, it's a huge it's like one of the biggest movie franchises ever. And it, yeah, they can have people like the characters come out in capes and they get into their cars and like, you know, you're real. Wow. It's really, you're trying to keep everything under cover and under wraps. And then, um, it's a lot of blue screen. I, we did shoot at the actual blockbuster location. Like we had that real set and we did that. But a lot of it was on stage and a lot of it was blue or green screen, which to me, that's not, it's so cool what they can do, but that's not what I love to do. That that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's incredibly cool, but it, so much is happening in post. I don't know. I like to be on the ground and on sets and on locations and like kind of in it more personally. Mm -hmm. um, but it was an incredible thing to work on and just the costumes and the makeup and like the teams that it takes to put that scale of something together. I mean, I was a PA when I was really young, I was a PA on Shutter Island. And at the time that was like the biggest thing I'd ever seen. Like it was like, we're on the side of a cliff with camera cranes and Marty Scorsese <laughs> wandering around, like yelling in a megaphone. And you're like, what is my life? And then like cuts a Marvel when you're like on a green screen and there's like rocks and like people wandering around. You're like, what's happening? <laughs> This isn't real either. 
So it was incredibly cool, and the the scope was amazing. But it was those were long days and hard shoots, and I think I like the smaller stuff personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like I don't know. I just like telling smaller stories, I guess, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, one day the weird franchise, you know, is even bigger than Marvel. You know, the weird yes. cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and we did some green screen stuff, and it was like <laughs> we had to do it at Pomona because that's where we were. And somebody, one of the actors, came out, and they're like, "Why are we could do this literally anywhere? It's green screen. Why do we have to do it at Pomona?" And I was like, "Because that's what fit in the schedule." Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so now I'm trying to think what would have been green screen. So obviously, the the acid trip would have been green screen. What else? Mm-hmm. fell into green screen the acid trip was green screen the when he comes out of the egg well i guess that's still the acid trip um... <laughs> tell us about filming that <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy so dan butts who's absolutely incredible made an egg or his people made an egg and like i don't remember if we had one egg or two i think we only had one egg but like it had a hole in the bottom so we like had a platform and Dan was like <laughs> naked and covered in goo with a guitar. <laughs> and it was like he had to use the top of the guitar. We did a test for it and it looked amazing. We're like, great. So then he had to use the top of the guitar to like poke through the egg and then birth himself out the top of it. <laughs> what is the goo on, on Daniel? I and mean, whose job is it to rub the goo on him? <laughs> I think Kat had to do that. <laughs> So sometimes I look at actors and I'm like, God, I couldn't do that. <laughs> like you have to, that's a pretty vulnerable position to like pop naked and goo out of an egg and be like, I hope this works. <laughs> and then you watch it and you're like, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing, you know, just the, the, the second of that in the first trailer for the film and just being like, what is this movie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's great. A turn. I don't know where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun day. Cause we did a lot of that on the same day. Like also with him driving, him driving was just poor man's process. So we just had like black curtains around him. And then like the guys were swinging lights to look like headlights when he was driving drunk in the car. Oh, wow. That was interesting. Um, yeah, so that was on stage, and then the egg was on stage, and then the green screen stuff, and the factory was there. I loved the factory set. That was really cool. That was like <laughs> the a real. Was amazing. <laughs> that room was like a real. I don't know what you would call it, like <laughs> control room. I don't know, but that was all there. Like we brought in the, the console they were at, but everything else was there. How cool! Yeah, actually, one of our PAs was the ones that got sucked into the conveyor belt. <laughs> Tyler, he crushed it. <laughs> Literally. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. So it was great. And like the fun thing too was figuring out like the cameos, like the star power of people that came through, which is I think both a testament to like Al and Eric, because between them they know everybody. Yeah. And like I remember Al coming up to me in prep and being like, Can Lynn Manuel come? 
for a day and i was like <laughs> why are you asking me that <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> what are you gonna be like no sorry al we, <laughs> we can't have we're him. full up <laughs> yeah. yeah but it became like who wants to come play who do we want to include when are they available and like what day like going back to the schedule is like what day can we plug people in and then i think Lynn only had two days available and we looked at the calendar and it was like, well, it's either the day we're at the hospital or it was like a, some other day where he couldn't really, there wasn't like a spot. And then it was like, he'll be the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And it was absolutely incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a great way to start out the movie with uh, with star power, like Lynn just show up right there. One of the first people you see in the movie. (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, the audience reaction when he rips his mask off—it's just like holy shit! So good. <laughs> it's so good. And I'm a nerd too, so I had just seen Tick Tick Boom, and we were sit standing there like in the, uh, like in the hospital room, like between setups, and the, and he was like, "So 18 days, huh?" I'm like, "I know it's a pretty quick schedule." And I'm like, "How many days did you guys shoot Tick Tick?" <laughs> like. Let's talk about scheduling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. But he was super nice. I mean, everyone was so nice that came and played. Like, we got so lucky with everybody that wanted to be involved. I think from Eric, he I think he mentioned that Conan was maybe on set for like an hour or something. Was that the, the shortest window of time that you had to work with? It was either Conan or it was Patton. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Conan only had a little bit of time, which was really tricky, too, because the way that that pool scene was written and the way it was staged like demento kind of walks al around to meet everybody you know Mm -hmm. and so it was like we had to put conan in a spot where we walk by him and we see him but then you didn't notice he was missing so like where we place people and that's what me and oscar would do like set up all the extras set up all the cameos and then like walk through like eric would be like i want him to start here and go here and here and it's like all right how can we put people in the path where it makes sense and we end up in the right spot and like with conan we'd put him like across i think with um was it dolly he yeah. was next to yeah so like he was kind of far like the main two pockets of people were like on either side of the pool and he was kind of across um, and then we just got cutaways of him like with his instrument and singing and shaking so that we could cut him in later and i i think it it works <laughs> oh it does but again totally. that's one of those yeah but that's one of those things when i watch it i'm like oh yeah we only had conan for 20 minutes like i think of that <laughs> first and then <laughs> everything else <laughs> and like paul f Tompkins when he smashed the watermelon like we only did that once <laughs> oh wow it's perfect yeah <laughs> It's perfect, and I didn't think it would work, and it was, that was a really long day, too, and it was cloudy, and, like, it was cold. It was, like, the one not sunny day that month, of course, because that's what happens when you're outside, but, like, Dan or whoever had cut the watermelon into, like, six pieces and then was trying to tie it back together with, like, a clear line so that when he hit it with the thing, it would just, like, it kind of explode, and for, like, 20 minutes, we were, like, trying to tie this thing together, and I was like, this is not going to and then <laughs> Paul just nailed it and exploded everywhere. And he looked at me and I was like, I don't know what I expected to happen, but that was amazing. <laughs> and it was one and done. We're like, all right, moving on. <laughs> oh, 
that's incredible. Yeah. So if you can distill everything you experienced down to what is your number one memory of working on the film? Oh, wow. Um, didn't say this would be an easy interview. We're, we're coming out with the tough not. questions. <laughs> <laughs> These are tough questions. Like, what's my takeaway? Like, what do I remember the most? Yeah, any of that. <laughs> um, I, hmm, that's a really hard question. I rem- I'm so proud that we did this in 18 days and that we only had a few long days. And, like, I'm just... I'm just delighted to be a part of something that everyone is connecting to and loved. And like, we had just as much fun making it. You can see how much fun and love we had in it. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like we had a blast on set. Like Ross, our DP was amazing. Eric and I got along super well. And like, he trusted me as his first. And sometimes there's not a lot of female first ADs and that can be a really hard role within a large crew and we just everyone worked so well together and trusted each other and we had such a good time and then to make an owl was there every day and was so sweet and kind and like to top it off we made such a special project like I don't know it's I'm probably most proud of this project honestly than just about anything else I've worked on because we busted our ass but we had so much fun and it worked and like that's so rare like normally there's like a saying, it's like people, project, paycheck, pick two. Like, and <laughs> this was a low budget movie, but we had so much fun and worked well. And like, I would do it in a heartbeat with the crew with anything. And like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so proud of it. And I love how much other people love it too. Like, that's like, just like sending your kid off and they're like, oh, they're not, a, they're popular and nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just so grateful and I had a blast and yeah, it was an awesome experience. Well, we, we had so much fun when we were on set. So thank you for everything you did for us on the set and making our experience so great and making such a, a fantastic film. And thank you for joining us, uh, Newman. We can check out a few of your recent projects. Currently, Somebody Somewhere is on HBO Max or Max or whatever we're calling it now. And we can also <laughs> yeah. check out Biosphere, a uh, film which is now streaming. So I hope everyone goes and checks those out. If they're they're fans of Weird the Yell Yankovic story, they can see some other things you've worked on. Yeah, they're both different and super fun. And I hope everyone enjoys them. Thank you, guys. This was delightful i really appreciate getting to talk about this thank you to the amazing newman it was so much fun to get to talk to her again and as we mentioned in the interview why not avoid your family this holiday season by watching some of newman's other projects including somebody somewhere streaming on max biosphere streaming on amc plus or just the tried and true weird the l yankovic story Ooh, that sound means we have a voicemail on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast. All right, intern Frank, let's hear that message. Uh, Hang on a second, guys. I'm just finishing up the last page of my favorite Christmas book, How the Frank Stole Christmas. And what happened then? Well, in Inchville, they say that the Frank's small heart remained exactly the same. I mean, come on, this is Frank we're talking about. You really thought that rotten, lousy intern was going to change? Get real. The end. Ah, man, what a great book. Kind of gets you right here, doesn't it? (laughs) 
Well, hi there, Dave and Ethan. It's your old pal Chris, the cartoon-loving geek from Canada. Well, the Christmas season is here, so once again, I took the liberty of creating some festively funny pics to help put you guys into the holiday mood. Actually, the story behind these pictures is kind of funny. You see, I was in my kitchen listening to some of Al's music while making some gingerbread men and giving them some funny Weird Al-inspired costumes with the icing, when all of a sudden, they magically came to life. <laughs> oh, they were so cute. I just had to draw them before the family ate them all. They even listened to some of your episodes on the podcast. And, frankly, they think you two are nutty. And when they said that word nutty, it actually reminded me of two nutcrackers I got from an old contest that Al had back when he was still doing Al TV many years ago. But the weird thing about these two nutcrackers is they kind of look like you two guys for some odd reason. But thanks to my dog, they both got chewed to bits. So I guess sending you an actual photo of what they look like is not going to happen. That's why I decided to draw them instead. <laughs> well, anyways, that being said, I sure hope you guys like them. They're all yours, and I'd like to think that they should help spruce up the old homestead for the holidays. So until the next time we chat, you both have a safe, healthy, and Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year, of course, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Oh, wait, 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 one more thing, one more thing. Uh, Frank, if you're listening, I almost forgot to tell you, thank you for that nice Christmas card you sent me. I just love the wonderful color scheme and the shiny glitter-like texture. It's just wonderful, man. You know something, Frank? Even for a rotten, lousy intern, you really can surprise me sometimes. I mean, this card is going to make great confetti for New Year's Eve once I put it into my paper shredder. Ah, uh, what a thoughtful gift, even from you. Thanks, Frank. Well, that's it for me, guys. Ciao! Chris, thank you so much for the great message and the great artwork. But before we talk about that, intern Frank sent you a Christmas card? I didn't get one! Hey, me either. I mean, I haven't checked my mail for a couple of weeks, but I'm pretty sure it's not there. That rotten, lousy intern. Chris, amazing artwork as usual. All right, so these gingerbread people are amazing. So you've sent us classic Weird Al, polka party Weird Al. I don't think I've ever seen that as a gingerbread cookie before. <laughs> Torso Boy from Albuquerque. And yes, his arms and legs are missing. And... The Hooded Avenger from the Weird Al show. Pretty stinking majestic. <laughs> they look so yummy. I want to eat them all. I do, too. I, I would love some more Weird Al-themed cookies. I haven't had some in quite a while. These nutcrackers are pretty stinking majestic. Not only do they look like us, Dave, but Chris even has made you slightly taller than I am. <laughs> <laughs> So accurate! Just like in real life. Yes, we're dressed in holiday green and red, and of course we have our LTV hats on, just like we always wear. Absolutely. I never leave home without it. Chris, thank you so much for the pretty stinking majestic holiday artwork, and of course, the Frank that stole Inchmas, the wonderful story that you posted over on our Facebook group. I have a funny feeling that this is not the last we're going to hear of the Frank that stole Inchmas, as we have a pretty stinking majestic special surprise coming for you and all of our listeners. And while we're on the topic of pretty stinking majestic holiday gifts, our friend and very own past guest of the podcast, Ludacris Laurie McMillan, gifted us the podcast and the whole podcast listening family something, well, it doesn't get better than saying pretty stinking majestic. 
Lori went ahead and adopted Weird Al Yankovic, the complete Al, in the Pally Center for Media's Pally Archive in honor of Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast. Now, formerly known as the Museum of Television and Radio and the Museum of Broadcasting, the Pally Center for Media is the leading nonprofit cultural institution whose mission is to preserve media and its history and explore its cultural impact. With Lori's Way generous gift. Whenever the complete Al is viewed by a guest at the Pally Center's library, our name, Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast, will be displayed as a contributor. We are honored that Lori chose to support such a worthy institution and to help Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast go down in history as one of Weird Al's biggest supporters for generations to come. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast, a huge thank you and a happy holiday to you, ludicrous. Lori McMillan. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also hot and saucy. Troubles number two, restaurant and bar Darwin is now offering new $3 and $5 boxes. Aw, my cat Coogans and your cats AJ and Skylar would love new boxes. You know how cats just can't resist boxes. Unfortunately, Ethan, I don't think it's that kind of box. It looks like it's some lottery thing. Oh, lottery thing? So, must be a litter box. Coogans, AJ, Skylar, oh, they'll definitely love it. Unfortunately, a sign on the lottery machine thingy says, Players must be 18 years or older to play, so none of our cats are old enough to play. And they don't list ages in cat years? No, I don't see it listed anywhere. Well, dang it! What's so special about these infamous lottery boxes anyway? Well, for one, in Trouble's number two restaurant and bar Darwin's Facebook post, NEW is in all capital letters, and there are five asterisks before NEW, plus there are also five asterisks after it. Wow! That means it must be special! Oh, and that's not all. There are also four exclamation points at the end of their post. Wow! And I'm saying wow with four exclamation points in case you couldn't tell. It sounds like you're only using three exclamation points, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Well, now that I'm looking here at the post, apparently the $5 box is called You Had Me at Beer, and the $3 box is called Hot and Saucy. Ooh, with an N. Spicy. Wait, does that count as a word crime? Hmm, let's see. B, C, R, U are words, not letters. Nope, I think it's good. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next word crime free expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Every episode of Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Brito Brito, Wizard Burger, our very own Jackson Scoggins, and Discover Darwin. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing, close personal friend-level Patreon supporters, Ron, Matt, Zeb, Zach, Blair, Ajax, Gus and Alicia, Adriana, Jake, UH, Jeff, Kenneth, Allison, Dana B., 
Casey, Scotto, Javier, Kev, and also thanks to Wendy and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our festive and family-friendly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your own private RSS feed, which gives you early access to each and every bonus episode, and the self-satisfaction of doing something important with your, let's face it, otherwise pitiful, meaningless existence. And now would be a good time to join if you have not joined already, because you'll be the very first to hear our bonus episodes the instant that they drop. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. All proceeds from purchases go directly towards supporting our podcast. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rum to Goody related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past episodes and guests over at 2000inch.com or weirdalpodcast.com. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, X, Threads, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts so you do not miss a single episode. Not only does subscribing help our podcast greatly, it will finally get you off the naughty list. Plus, we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA, as seen in the Illustrated Al, the songs of Weird Al Yankovic. That number is 347-772-8852. Put it in your phone, give it a call, or a text, and you might even hear your message in a future episode. Thank you once again to our guest, Emily Newman, a.k.a. Newman, for joining us this episode. Thank you to Mike Minnick, John Bermuda Schwartz, Kevin McKee, our very own UH Jeff Nucera, Eddie Schmidt, Eric Appel, Chris Sear, David Grant, Claire Walsh, Chris Newman, Jared Marker, Lily Hirsch, our very own Jackson Scoggins, and the limitlessly lovely ludicrous Laurie McMillan. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to the 17-time Grammy-nominated Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you, as always, for choosing Dave Nathan's 2000 Weird Al podcast for your listening pleasure. And until next time, remember to gill and chill, keep listening to Weird Al, and stay cheesy. Ah, you thought we forgot, didn't you? I didn't forget. No, I'm not talking to you. Oh, then who are you talking to? I'm the only one here. No, our, our listeners. How do you know that they're listening? That is literally their job. They are listeners. It's right there in the name. Oh, yeah. Good point. Uh, What didn't we forget? I thought you said you didn't forget what we didn't forget. Well, I didn't forget that this is episode 216 inch, which also means it is episode 18 feet. Oh, good one. But that's not what I was thinking of, Dave. The new guy's birthday? Yeah, we already mentioned that. Nope. Boxing Day in Canada? I hear Troubles number 2 in Darwin is selling boxes. No, 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 not that either, but you're close. Oh, is this where we wish all of our listeners a happy Hanukkah, joyous Kwanzaa, happy Honda days, Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, Joya Noel, Male Kaliki Maka, or Merry Christmas in Canadian, depending on what they celebrate 
And where they are listening from? Yep. Did I say that last one right? From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, have a safe, happy, healthy Honda Day season. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 216-inch. And to all, a Merry Christmas at Ground Zero. Naked and covered in goo with a guitar. Malay Kaliki Maha. Malay Kaliki Maka. Malay Kaliki Maka. Malay Kaliki Maka. Malaki. Malay Kaliki Maka. Feliz Navidad. Joyeux Noel. Fro. Wana Chachin. Buon Natal. Feliz Natal. Krakion Ferakut. Shaslavago Rantasasafa! No. Shas. Shaslavago Rantasvestaval.